I'm definitely not going to be rowing across another ocean uh, at any point soon. Um, One and done. And yeah. Uh, well, I, I have this. I have this grand goal of like circumnavigating the globe on human power and oh boy. like cycling the continents. Oh and boy! Doing this there stuff. we go. <laughs> to row the Pacific with son when he gets older. Right. Yes. yes. But um, it, it it doesn't make sense right now. I mean, if I were to row across the Pacific Ocean, my kids would double in size by the time I got back. So hmm. um, it this is not something I, you know, my focus has shifted. Um, so in terms of like endurance, um, yeah, like I, I still run, you know, 40 miles a week, but it's, it's, I'm scheduling that time outside of that. It's not replacing our family time or anything. It's either early in the morning or it's night after I put the kids down or it's at lunch or something like that. So I want that to be certainly my time, but it shouldn't be at the cost of cat or, 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 or the kids. I mean, I'm usually right, but that's <laughs> not going to happen. Never, no way. Let's go back. Don't share that story. Hang on. Did I go too fast? You just jumped to purpose, which is you. You're what a visionary. I see your I'm connection here. <laughs> Love or work. Welcome to the Love Work Podcast. This is Jeff. And I'm Andre. Oh, wow. This is fun because we just got off the most amazing interview and we get to set it up now and tell you all about it. And this is not an interview that you ever want to miss because it was fire. Fire. Fire, I tell you. I mean, it was like, we just, uh, the amount of things that they said, it was wow. Yes. Um, I I don't even know where to start, but let me tell you about them first. Uh, we have Kat Cole and Daly Irvin. Kat is the president of Focus Brands. Daly, well, he's kind of a... Lots of things, guy. He's a startup guy and company builder. He's an ultra runner. And listen to this. He's the fastest American to row the Atlantic Ocean. I'll never forget the first time I met Cap. She spoke at an event of ours and um, she got caught in traffic in Atlanta. And I remember I called her and she was like, I'll be there in five minutes. Have the microphone ready. And I was like, that sounds like her. Okay. And then all of a sudden she rolled in. We were at the Tabernacle in Atlanta, this amazing venue. She rolled in the back door. She literally got out of her car. I think she just, I don't even think she put in a parking spot. She just pulled up. And then as she's walking, someone hands her like a, a, a microphone to put on. She puts it on her ear, sticks it in her pocket, literally walks on stage. And for the next like 40 minutes, she was just like on fire focused, one of the best talks I've ever heard. Yeah. And you would have never guessed that she just literally rolled From on stage. From her car onto the stage. <laughs> no in, prep, in stride. No there, was, there was no deep breath. And it was like, whoa. Well, I don't even know what just happened, but I, I was blown away. Yes. So we love these two and respect them greatly. And yeah, what should we be listening for? First of all, the one night stand. Mm -hmm. Secondly, the mutual engagement. And third, all in every day. All right, you guys, you heard it. Here is Cat and Daily. Cat's so good at this. So, babe, you tell it, and then I'll I'll be the backup singer on this. <laughs> Um, I'll try to give the, the really abbreviated version so we can uh, dive deep into other questions. But the, 
the summary is we were both invited separately um, by individual friends to a uh, a weekend, an event, a group called Breakout. And Breakout is both a group and a community as well as uh, an event series. And they Breakout goes into cities that are in transition, brings really interesting like-minded people, but very diverse group of people together to experience um, the, the change, the transformation, and the leadership going on inside of these cities. So think Detroit, St. Louis, New Orleans, Miami, Atlanta, and Baltimore. And we were both invited to the Baltimore breakout. Uh, so we go, there's all kinds of interesting backstory to us getting there and almost both not making it. Um, but essentially we were in this room uh, and we were talking about the Baltimore riots. The police chief was talking about his experience navigating the riots the community leaders um, who were rioters and then a part of the healing of the community were speaking about their perspective. So it was a very heavy topic. And um, I looked across the room and saw this guy and I thought, God, I, I, that guy, <laughs> um, I saw this guy and I thought, God, I know him. Like I felt in my core, it was this deep sense of familiarity uh, it was like, I know him, but I've definitely never met him, mm. but I know him. Um, and it was disturbing. It was distracting. It was hard for me to pay attention. So, um, so that was me recognizing him. He did not recognize me <laughs> at that point. Let's be clear. Um, and, and so, you know, the day went on, we had events, we introduced ourselves to each other um, as just attendees of the event, but nothing more than that. Fast forward, we ended up at an after party after these group dinners, uh, and that's where we ended up connecting. And after um, several drinks and several hours, if you watched a time-lapse video uh, of us in this after party, we would look like little magnets, slowly getting closer together and then never separating uh, and by the end of the night, we walked out. I grabbed his hand on the way out. We got in the bus to go to the after, after, after party. <laughs> um, and we kissed in the van. And then by the time we got to the last party of the night, we told the bus or van driver when everybody else got off to go to the last club, take us back to the hotel. And so we had a one night stand. So we thought, and uh, essentially, we've been inseparable ever since. Two weeks uh, after we met, um, he was living in New York. I was living in Atlanta at the time, but was I was in and out of New York quite a bit. Um, about two or three weeks, I forget how long. Daily can feel it, in, uh, fill it in. Uh, we proposed to each other and just got closer as time went on. He rowed across the Atlantic Ocean in a rowboat two months after we met, so he was gone at sea for forty five days um, with all my friends saying, wouldn't that be very Shakespearean if you meet this man that you fall deeply in love with after he a one night stand and then he perishes at sea. Um, he came back, we tattooed our rings, we got married at Burning Man, we made a baby six months later. Holy moly. There's a <laughs> lot of things that I need to unpack because there's <laughs> a lot of things, a lot of things. First of all, can I just go back to one thing? You proposed to each other, mm -hmm. a mutual proposal. Tell me how this works and how this yeah. happened. I mean, it wasn't at the exact same second saying the same words and then going jinx, you know, but it was, 
it was um, yeah we were we were um so yeah so we left each other on, on sunday after that event and then she was going to be back in new york i think wednesday wednesday and thursday she ended up staying wednesday through sunday so we just like really didn't even leave the apartment we were just kind of like diving diving in and then so we obviously knew something was going on in the following week she did the same thing was basically came up on a wednesday and by the time we got to saturday we were sitting on um uh, on my couch uh in, a, in our, our apartment and i just i felt compelled first the first time i've ever said it, i was like i just felt compelled to say i was like i don't ever want to be with anyone ever again um that's okay if 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 you're not there but um, and that, that's okay for now. Um, but just know that's exactly how I feel, you know, right now. And then she took like the longest pause on the planet, which felt like it was probably only like five seconds, but it looked, it felt like five minutes and it, you could tell she was kind of chewing on the answer. And, you know, she said, you know, I don't, you know, I don't want to be with anyone else either. And so then we were like, okay, well, you know, the, the logical next step, I think she ended up proposing to me in the shower the next day. And yeah, and we just, we kind of made it, uh, cemented it there, but it was, yeah. After two weeks, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm done searching. This is it. Two weeks. Um, this is amazing. Yeah. Context there is that I was out of an 11 year relationship prior to that. Um, not married, but we lived together, built a house together. So it was like being married and daily was out of an eight year relationship. He had been wow. out of his for for a little longer. I'd been out of mine for about, I mean, formally out, like, you know, separated for a little over six months, I think it was at that point. Mm -hmm. And, um, so that's important context that we both had very long-term adult committed relationships previously that did not, you know, they ran their course. Uh, and so when we met each other, both of us had this mindset of, I have no interest in getting married. I'm not looking to be hooked with something like that was the filter. I mean, truly we thought it was a one night stand on purpose. <laughs> and, um, and so that, I think that makes that realization even more powerful. Yeah. Um, I was also so impressed with daily when he said that, because the way he said it, you know, two weeks in knowing we were both out of long-term relationships when he said, I don't want to be with anyone ever again. That's okay if you don't for now, but this is what I want. It was direct without telling me what to do. Um, and he actually, yeah. it, it wasn't a question. He didn't ask, so what do you think? I mean, that was implied, mm -hmm. um, but he was just so direct without being directive. And that is a rare quality, you know, to be that vulnerable, that exposed, that direct to just say, this is what I want. It's okay if that's not what you want for now but this is where I am. And I, in addition to searching again, five seconds, um, whether or not I agreed with that sentiment, I was simultaneously like blown away and falling even more in love because he was so open and vulnerable yet confident and direct yeah. in that statement, which led to us being like, well, yeah, well, we're not going to be with anyone else. And does that mean we get married, married because we're both kind of hippies and we didn't come from you know, the most traditional of households. So we, we, later we would end up having that conversation. Um, but we, we knew we would be committed and together and married in the 
intimate sense. Mm -hmm. And then we would later discuss how we commemorate or capture that or formalize it and eventually, you know, tattoos and actual legal marriage and all of that followed. Hmm. So then you go explain you were you went across the Atlantic Ocean. What what was the thing you did? 45 days. What was that? Explain that. Yeah. So I, I have a you know, always kind of in the, you know, outside of work, my side also has been kind of ultra endurance events. So like hundred mile ultra marathons and, you know, uh, climbing mountains and all that other stuff. And before I met Kat for the last two years, um, uh, I was training to to row a rowboat across the Atlantic Ocean in this race called the Talisker Whiskey Atlantic Challenge, which is, uh, they call it like the hardest rowing race. It's just kind of a bunch of, you know, crazy people that, you know, uh, want to do something incredibly difficult. And you row this tiny boat that's 20 feet long and four feet wide, uh, completely unsupported um, from the Canary Islands to Antigua. So 3,000 miles across uh, across the Atlantic. And so I... I'd already been preparing for two years prior to meeting Kat. And it was just kind of fortuitous that we met. And then it was like, uh, yeah, by the way, I like, this is going really well, but I got to be gone for between 60 and 90 days, potentially. Um, yeah. So we, we took off, I think in, um, you know, five days before Christmas, we ended up finishing, um, yeah, like early February in 2016. And the crazy thing is like, uh, we actually got closer. Kat and I actually got closer during the row. Um, I had a satellite phone that, that was, you know, like $9 a minute, which we, um, you know, we, we tried to talk every other day. Um, and it was just like the most amazing thing during that entire thing is like one cat was in board meetings and speaking and, and just being a general, you know, lady boss. And I would call like, because we were across time zones and stuff. So I would call in the middle of the night, like after my rowing shift, cause you row like two hours on two hours off. So you row. And then you rest, and then you row and you rest twenty four hours a day, like it's it's nonstop. Me and one other guy. So I'm calling. She, I think she only missed um, one call during that entire time, and she was on stage in front of like ten thousand people. So I was like, okay, that's okay. Um, <laughs> but but it was it was. I mean, it was so impressive. She um, she knew obviously nothing about sailing, nothing about rowing, and she got this beach. Took like online courses to, to like help us navigate like wind and and wave patterns and like where the sun was going to be and how we should charge our solar panels so like every three hours she was sending this um uh email to us that we could basically download you know where the position where we were in the fleet because there's like 27 other boats competing and like every three hours she would wake up and do this and and do all these calculations and stuff meanwhile like you know being a boss at work um so like during that you know two months it was actually um yeah, we like short circuit, you know, our relationship by years because it was using me at my absolute worst, um, you know, tired, frustrated, um, you know, hungry, bored, like all like crying, like all of those things. So typically you don't, you know, really scratch that surface for, for a while. So, um, yeah, she got to see it, you know, when I was, you know, at my absolute worst and, and obviously, you know, times at my absolute best. So it was, it was really interesting experience, you know, both personally and then, and, and then physically. But um, yeah, without that, it would have been uh, a much different experience uh, and obviously less enjoyable. But Yeah, what yeah. a vulnerable thing to experience so quickly, right? And I mean, it seems yeah. like the two of you have a, I mean, in the, in the relationship at the start was intense, right? This intensity mm. all in immediately. You're, then you are doing this, the most intense experience on your physical body you could possibly do. 
is that like a, a consistent stream throughout your relationship? Like intensity is always, does it ever slow down? I don't know if I would say it's that constant rate of intensity because I don't know that that's even scalable or sustainable for any human, much less a relationship. But you used a phrase that we have debated getting one of our many tattoos. We have the date we met tattooed, our rings are tattooed, which is all in. And and from our first month, we said all in period, every day period. Um, just all in every day. And what does that mean to you? It's, you know, it is, it is a bit of the, um, it's a bit of the definition of that intensity you describe. It might not always be like he's rowing an ocean and I'm speaking to 10,000 people. And yet we're figuring out how to have a deeply intense romantic day. You know, that, that level of that did occur a lot. (laughs) Um, but that's not necessarily real life over time. But the all in every day is more about intentionality than intensity. Mm -hmm. Um, It's more about choosing each other every day. It's um, I choose you. I choose us every day. It's the permission to call each other out if we're feeling a bit disconnected because that does happen sometimes. You know, we're busy, kids, work, all of that. Like, hey, I haven't, you know, felt as, as connected as I want to. It's just this it's an expectation without being too hard on ourselves, without setting an impossible bar um, of the intentionality and alignment that we have to be all in on us every day. And so that, that in and of itself, you could argue is pretty intense, um, even if life isn't as intense. But with a two and a half year old and a 10 month old, if it's not intense, it's definitely busy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So tell us how kids changed everything. How did it, or did it not change things? Did you just make it work? And how, how, what changed with kids? Because something always changes. I'm embarrassed by the, the slack that was in our schedules prior to kids and how much availability of time we had. And now there's, there's just no, there's no slack time. So I was like, oh my gosh, we what did we do with 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 the hours in the day that that weren't occupied with we with, Netflixed with the kids? And, and chilled and, <laughs> and I, yeah. I guess so yeah <laughs> it, it was really interesting but I, I think um, when we were initially like discussing kids and then when we were pregnant it was like this little human is joining us we're not we're not joining them and uh, you know if we look at the priorities of a relationship you know it's it's us first um, and and then the kids and you know because we both come from kind of interesting homes. It, it was, that was never the case. It was always, um, um, we didn't really have, uh, any kind of viewpoint of like a super strong relationship. So I think that like us focusing on, on, on us being amazing would be more beneficial for our kids kind of growing up as opposed to being, uh, kind of solely focused on, on the kids first and then hoping the relationship works out. We, we always, what we felt was, yeah, let's, let's, let's focus on us. And if, if we're good, they're going to be good. Um, so from that perspective, it really hasn't, it really hasn't changed. Um, I think our perspective and then in terms of just, we're now we're just really good at logistics. It's that's, you know, raising two kids is, is, you know, it's a supply chain issue. <laughs> like <laughs> it, it's, uh, um, but yeah, it, it just, all right, you're, you're filling filling buckets, but cat, please. Wait, I have two follow up questions to that because I want to hit on two different things. 
regardless of what you want to hit first. But first, what does us focused on us like le- look like for you? And secondly, talk through the logistics of those logistics. I'm curious of those two things. I would I would say that the the two are quite related, right? Mm-hmm. In order for us to focus on us, we really have to be solid at the logistics. Um, dynamic in our relationship, which is scheduling. So when do we have time for us? Um, Our check-ins, our monthly check-ins, I'm sure we're going to get to that. Um, But that, you know, when are we going to do that? Right. Because after the kids, after we do work, get the kids fed, get the kids to bed. We want to, whatever it is, Netflix and chill or just go to sleep. But no, this is the, this is when we're going to carve out that 30 minutes for our check-in or that hour or Hey, the weekend's coming up. Um, when are we going to get our time together? So are we going to be able to get a sitter while one kid is sleeping so the sitter can watch the other kid and then we can go on a coffee date or we can go walk? So um, us first, is uh, it, it is as much about protecting time for us to be together as a whole family unit and as a couple. Um, but it is also then about what we do with that time. And that hits on several components, right? It hits on communication, um, really checking in and seeing each other much more deeply than the surface interaction of managing a family. It's the sexual attraction. It's the, it's the physical affection, right? All of those things, that is what us first is about. It's not letting the things that are part the many fibers that form the fabric of our connectivity, not letting those slowly, slowly, slowly peel away because the two that seem to be pulling us the most are two and a half and 10 months old. Right. Um, or our work for yeah. any given point in time. You know, work is a big part of that um, as well. And so, and, and not just day gigs, but our side hustles, our passions, our um, social and... Um, and civic activities, right? That it's all takes time. And so being there for each other and carving out time, as well as committing to doing things that feel connecting and meaningful, that's the us us first. And not being overly stressed if we haven't had that extra time with the kids that week. You know, we've got a long time (laughs) with them. And if we feel we've gotten a bit frayed or not as connected or aren't making the time for the things that we love together, we will prioritize that over time with kids. Yeah. I, I'm interested, I mean, daily with ultra running and all of those kind of that hobby, that is so time consuming. I mean, the hours and hours to train. Is that something that has changed? Has that something that's kind of dropped away because of this time logistics with kids? Or is that something that you keep prioritizing? I think it's uniquely me, and, and I definitely didn't want to drop it. I'm definitely not going to be rowing across another ocean uh, at any point soon. Um, One and done. And yeah. Uh, well, I, I have this. I have this grand goal of like circumnavigating the globe on human power and oh boy. like cycling the continents. Oh boy! And Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> With son when he gets older. Right. Yes. yes. But um, it, it, it doesn't make sense right now. I mean, if I were to row across the Pacific Ocean, my kids would double in size by the time I got back. So mm. um, it, this is not something I, you know, my focus has shifted. Um, 
so in terms of like endurance, um, yeah, like I, I still run, you know, 40 miles a week, but it's, it's, I'm scheduling that time outside of that. It's not replacing our family time or anything. It's either early in the morning or it's night after I put the kids down or it's at lunch or something like that. So I want that to be certainly my time, but it shouldn't be at the cost of cat or, 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 or the kids. Mm. Um, you know, if I was, if I was still super and the kids aren't, aren't, aren't old enough to be able to kind of be self-contained at this point. So it doesn't, it just doesn't make sense. So I, I wanted to keep this base of fitness so that I can pick it up at, you know, when the kids do get older and then, you know, participate with them. But, um, yeah, it's, it, it would be like, if, yeah, if, if, a, if a parent was like a golfer, like I, I couldn't feel good about myself if I was gone for six hours at a time, like that mm-hmm. just is not, um, yeah, that, that, that definitely doesn't work, but there's a space level of fitness that allows me to kind of do those things. Um, you know, the, the bigger events, uh, eventually. So I don't want that to go away. Yeah. I would um, add though that daily, um, helped seven other athletes who were aspiring ultra athletes train for and, and run Leadville, the hundred mile ultra marathon when our son was almost one years old. So that was a ton of training for himself to just, you know, prepare, but then also the time to build relationships with these other athletes and to help them train. And, and our, again, our son was not even one, he was barely walking. And, um, I can't remember ever. And that meant some, you know, long runs starting at night, going into the morning and really preparing for that or helping others prepare. And I really can't remember a time where I thought, um, wow, this is cutting into X, Y, Z, you know, part of the being such a powerful force as a couple and a family and being all in every day to tap into those, to stay connected to those, to, to fulfill those desires or needs actually makes them better for the relationship and the family. And maybe it's just because it was always this way since we met, you know, because he was literally rowing an ocean after we met. So what's a couple of hours of long running to prepare. And our whole family went out to Leadville and we had our son there and they were, we were there for a couple of days and supporting him and showing up at the stops as well as the rest of this team. Um, so even though he says now maintaining a base level of fitness it's almost like there's a giant, enormous ultra event that he does every two years. <laughs> yeah. sort of keep the dream going. Yeah, keep it, keep it alive. And it, but it is who I married. Right. Um, and, mm. and it being important to him is incredibly important to me. And we talk about that. I mean, he'll say, hey, this weekend, I want to get, get a 15-mile run in. I want to get a 10-mile run in. What's the best time to do that? I mean, we just it's that check-in again, it's the logistics side of things where he's not saying, can I run, right? He doesn't need my permission. He's saying, this is important to me. I'm going to do this. I want to be respectful of what time is best. And that, um, that's just the way we work with each other. So, uh, Kat, I mean, you're the, the expectations on you as a leader are really high, right? Um, how, I mean, how do you guys even talk about balance? How, what does that, what does that even mean for you in relation to the work and the responsibility you have every day and with your relationship and family? I, um, I don't remember us ever 
formally seeking balance. Mm. You know, it's, um, there are ebbs and flows. Things aren't so extreme for so long that it causes uh, um, an alteration of the ecosystem, right? If we're an ecosystem like our energy and our kids and our flow and our schedule, there are peaks and valleys of demands mm. on me as a leader, on, on daily as a, a leader and a VC. Like it just, you know, it comes and goes. I mean, lately it's, there's been a lot of it. <laughs> um, but there's such, um, again, logistics and communication. So we're not being disrespectful of the impact on the other. If one of us has to spend more time on late phone calls or weekends or travel for long periods of time, there's clearly a respect, a constant awareness that whatever is required of me outside of home puts more work on whoever is on the other side. So daily to me or me to daily at home. So there's a deep respect for that. Um, and there's an understanding that always this too shall pass. Um, and it's not that there's ever really a downtime, but there certainly are times that I or he have been called on to a higher order as a leader that requires more time, more work, less presence, um, uh, less visibility at home, you know, with everything that's gone on with the pandemic and the impact on retail and restaurants, when everything first hit, not only were we getting out of ICU with our daughter, um, I was coming home, working on the whole reorganization of our company, supporting the ever-changing dynamics, on calls with my baby in arms, daily helping him working at a very intense level on his side. It was intense. I mean, it was a couple, really four solid weeks of what felt like 6 a.m. to 11 p.m., you know, pretty much every day and honestly struggling to sleep in between because of the weight, the leadership weight. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's, I, I think when we see each other go through those periods, again, it's, it's a chapter. Um, there's, we really do admire each other. You know, I see him going through times of transition. I admire, I, I recognize the time it takes away from the family, but I admire what I'm observing. Um, there's a mutual a mutual respect there. So um, for me, the, I think because we know this too shall pass, it just doesn't feel ominous. You know, it doesn't mm-hmm. feel unbearable or heavy or um, nor do we allow ourselves to have guilt around it. You know, like I, I don't come back and say, I'm so sorry. I've been so busy over the last four weeks. I don't even use my energy mm-hmm. for guilt because there is no need. If I'm doing noble work, good work, he sees it, he understands, he respects it and assumes positive intent. There might be a time where I forget to communicate the logistics side of things. And instead of assuming negative intent, like, hey, why didn't you tell me about this? It's rather, I'm, I'm seeing that you're going through an intense period right now. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, I think that's how I navigate those leadership demands and then our relationship no expectation of balance and a belief that there are peaks and valleys. Hmm. Yeah, like this, I mean, it's essentially seasons, right? That a season's going to end, that there's going to be busy seasons, but you know that it's going to swing into the direction of a season of rest or, yeah, I like that. It's interesting. I, I appreciate you talking about the weight of leadership. I feel that often. And it, what's hard is to not let that affect my family. Or, you know, like, have you guys ever wrestled with that or talked about that? 
I don't know that I've ever thought to try not to let it affect our family. Um, and I'll just speak to when things were just starting to happen, not only with um, COVID, but all the very emotional um, outpouring of recent events of so many coming out against racism and the stories that are being told. And there have been times that as a leader, my work brain, my social um, contract with whatever you want to call it, social media followers, the world, like my ability to influence others. And I have an emotional moment. I would go into Daly's office, shut the door and cry. And I am, I am putting my emotional experience from work on my family to a degree. Um, I think because of the seasons thing, um, I just have to have a belief that in that moment, that that is not an unfair burden to share and that I actually need the support and that it will create more empathy because if I hide it or if I don't share at least a piece of it, then there might be other things that I do or say that are misinterpreted. Um, as being about the family or being about daily, when really it's just the the hangover of emotional weight from the moment that I'm dealing with. So I I've tend to be a bit more bringing it home, not to an extreme where it takes up all of our personal time. Um, but that that's been a benefit to me. I don't know, babe. What would you say? Uh, I don't think you're giving yourself enough credit. I'm by far the worst culprit of this. Um, <laughs> Kat is so good at compartmentalizing uh, work, um, life, family. That uh, again, I think she's she's speaking of kind of extreme cases where it's for. But for me, it's like if I have a bad day at work, like I'm I'm not great in in most other most other ways. And that's when Kat's like, you need to you need to talk, don't you? And um, yeah, so it's um, I I take a lot of pride and value in my personal life from my work um experience and achievement so like that's not going well like i'm not i'm i'm definitely not great so cat's really quick with me to kind of call that out with cat it just it just flows much more naturally than i than i do my i wear my emotions on my sleeve and she's much more polished with with you know, understanding your feelings when I'm more, I, I throw little tantrums. Um, so, uh, I'm still learning more, more from her. She's, I mean, she's much, much, much better at it, but. So you alluded to this a little earlier, but, uh, I want to bring it up monthly. You guys do these monthly things. We've heard about it from some other people, but I got, we got to go straight to the heart of you. You guys have this thing you do unpack, yeah. unpack it for us. And so where this originally came from is like, um, I had never really seen in my personal life or or family life a really successful relationship of like a marriage where I was like I envied that relationship. And so for you know, in, in a previous relationship, I was kind of like I, I I saw some like really great couples and I started like pulling some things from them and asking them like, you know, kind of what they were doing. And there was this couple in London that um I was like, God, they got it. Like there's something about them that that, that they really do. And and like one of the things that they did was that they celebrated their anniversary every single month. So every single month, it was it was always in person, and it was um, they'd have a bottle of champagne, and, and it was it was more of a celebration. 
And I was like, I love that. Like, I love, like, it wasn't like how many years you've been married. It was for them. It was like, oh, we've been together for 79 months. And it was like, it was something <laughs> that they kind of look forward to. And it's amazing. Uh, and they like, they would avoid work travel during that time. I think in those, like whatever it was, 80 or, or 110 months or something, it was only like one time that they didn't do it face to face. Um, so he was in like Tokyo and she was in London or something, but they woke up, had champagne together. And it was like kind of this ritual. So that's where a piece of it really originated. And the second piece was, um, and this was it happened in, in previous relationships as well, is like, we never took the time to check in of like, how are you feeling? What's going on? Um, and then to like nip in the bud, some of the stuff that wasn't working. Um, like the really, really simple stuff that, um, you know, we were great at just bringing up, like, you know, as opposed to like letting something fester, um, you know, getting it out like very, very quickly. So that was kind of the genesis of all of this. One, celebrate our love and our relationship on a monthly basis as opposed to yearly and, and kind of saving it. Um, and two, it's, you know, how do we align on some questions that allow us to have potentially difficult conversations regularly so that nothing, um, so there, there's there's not this divide that happen, happens. So we, we always kind of talk about it as like, we want to be like, like, like grapevines where it's like, we want to grow strong together, but strong apart. And these check-ins kind of allow us to kind of come together again uh, if we get too far apart. And especially in times like now when, when life is flying, it's these check-ins kind of solidify that, uh, that feeling of coming back together. So that's, that's the genesis. I'll let Kat go into like the, what we actually do. Yeah. So then, so that's sort of the, why create the space? What was the inspiration for creating the space? Um, the frequency, the time, the commitment, the ritual. Then to achieve the goal of what we both said, we learned from our past relationships um, was that we couldn't remember ever really being intentional saying we want to be better in our relationship at home than we are at work. It was always about work, right? I, I take mm. workshops. I read leadership books. I learn how to be a better investor. I learn like the average person in business does far more um, training and education on their work than they do, again, the average person, than they do on being a better parent, a better lover, a better partner, husband, wife, spouse, whatever. Um, and so we both recognized that that was something we wanted to improve from our past experience. We both called out that if we're honest, that's something when we look back was probably part of the reason um, that our past relationships went the path that, that they did. Not only our individual parts, but that we weren't inspired by that other person to be as great at home as we are at work. And with each other, we were. So then the question was, well, how, how do you do that? And so we borrowed from principles we had learned from business, uh, one-on-ones, I was a member of YPO at the time, and there are these forum norms around how you check in uh, to level set to make sure you're really on the same playing field. There are techniques to get the best out of high performers. Um, and so that's what led us to the questions. And we did a big Instagram post. We've shared it with our friends over the years. Many of them have told us um, that it's made all the difference. And not that there were problems, but it's really allowed them to level up and their closeness and their effectiveness as a family unit, as a couple, uh, it will be a, a pretty big part of the book that I write around asking, answering, and acting on um, the most important questions 
And so we ask what's been the best and worst part of the last 30 days. What's one thing I can do to be a better partner for you? Not 10 things, right? Because I need the point is to hear it and improve it and act on it. Mm. Uh, uh, what have you been most proud of? What have you been most grateful for? What has worried you the most? And out of that, we do write it down. Then we do a quarterly recap of that in an annual. So you can see a lot of business structure around this um, because it is about driving progress, personal um, and relational progress as a family unit. And then we call each other out if we're observing themes. We've gone through years. We just finished our... The 10th is our anniversary. So literally, we just finished our 56th check-in. Um, and and it's so interesting to see the themes you know, of things that are similarly the best over time or similarly the worst. And when does that get better? Um, so it's just... It's incredibly powerful. It is a place that is saved for the purpose of checking in as opposed to reactive, defensive, out of nowhere um, conversations that can kind of derail a moment. Doesn't mean you don't deal with issues in the moment. Of course we do. But the ones that really rise to the level of thematics and um, deep emotional opportunities uh, to continue something great or to fix something that's not great, that's what our check-ins are about. So why why do you think that people don't take time to invest in the home relational aspect? Why? I mean, I agree with you. I, we're talking about well, and I would say two things. Why do they not take as much time and they invest all more towards work? Number one, and then why do you think women primarily? are the ones that will read the books or invest the time in the relational aspect and not as much the men. Ooh, you just went there. Hey, come yeah, on. Know. We know our yeah. audience. I'm just saying, we know our audience. We do. And it's women. So, yeah, I, um, I'll throw out a few things. And again, I'm not a psychologist or an anthropologist or a social expert, but I do have to say, um, I do believe that there is a role that in the past, organized religion has played for many people in a space to talk about being husband, wife, partner, etc. And with organized religion and many, not all populations being on the decline, even if spirituality is on the increase, mm-hmm. I do think there's something there to unpack, not for this. So um, interesting. Uh, oh, I could go all day. That we're taught in organized religion. Um, religion, you know, certainly positioned the woman as something different. So that might've even been a reason for some of the defection away, um, depending on the the religion and the person. So I do think there's something really interesting to unpack there of where else might people have had relationship intentionality. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then if not for that, what do you do? Um, I do think I observe that when we get comfortable with people, it's something we take for granted. And, um, and maybe there's not a feeling of, I need to work on it. I remember being told, well, if you have to work on it, it's clearly not the right person. Hmm. Um, And, and I think the opposite, if it's the right person, you would better work on it to protect it because we tend to then go want to work on it. When do people get marriage counseling? When they're about to get divorced, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, when do, when they're going through a cry, I'm not saying counseling is the answer or not the answer, but the point is in our personal lives, we tend to not, um, talk about something and go deep unless there's a problem. 
And that is a bit of a human characteristic, um, not a critique at all. But then if this relationship is so important, I want to commit to doing the work proactively so I don't have to do it reactively. And Daly has been as committed as me. So in my, um, and more so sometimes. So in my experience, it's very equal, the desire to like do the work and do the thinking. But certainly you could generalize that many times it is a, it is more likely to be a feminine characteristic. Um, and I'm, I'm not sure why. I don't even want to begin to opine. <laughs> so daily, what made you like rise up? What made you just invest equally? Because I don't think a lot of men do. It, it, it was me. It, it came back to kind of the genesis. I was like, I didn't have successful relationships, but I saw that they were possible. And then I saw that these possible relationships were doing things differently than, than everything I've done before. And then like once, once Kat and I got together, I was like, it, I want to keep it and I want to get better with time. Like, I don't want to be that couple fast forward 20 years. We're just sitting on, you know, Barca loungers just waiting to die. Like I wanted to get better every single year. And, um, yeah, it was just. I think it, it. It's a little bit of my 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 nature and from from work and all the the other things. It's like if I want to be good at something, then I need, I need to practice. And it was I was willing to put in the work to be good, and I knew I wasn't good. Um, and yeah, so it, it just it the relationship meant more to me than anything else, and it still remains that way. So I was like, why why would I why would I work harder on work if if i we just committed to you know um um you know being good for each other for the rest of our lives and i always see that um that that happen and and it's 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 such a you know it's a trade-off if if you're trying to be amazing at work and um i always felt it's like if you could be good for yourself and your spouse you can be good for pretty much everything else like it's Mm -hmm. such a halo effect of um, and you know, a mentor told me one time, it's like, work harder, work harder on yourself than you do at your job. And this is one where it's like, if, um, yeah, if we build something strong at home, this spills into everything else kind of in life. So I just felt like this was the base of the pyramid. Um, so it, it never, and again, it never, it, it, it is work, but it doesn't seem yeah. like that. It's, it's an investment, not a, right. Uh, Does yeah. it feel like dreadful or exhausting. And if some people hear the word work, if that's their um, connection to that word, it's important for us to clarify. It doesn't feel like hard, painful (laughs) effort. Um, It is very fluid because the intention, um, we used to say about each other when we met, we we vibrated a very similar frequency. The intentions are quite common. So you don't have this emotional labor to try to catch up with the other person's desires or intensity. And I think there's also a very, for those who might not come at this as naturally, but more look at their life academically um, or intellectually, there are also, there's no shortage of research from the most respected thinkers on business and life that proves one of the most important choices that you make for your business outcomes, in addition to your health outcomes, is your life partner, mm-hmm. is who you spend the most time with. And so even if that's the reason, you know, if you come at it very academically that, wow, 
I could be great at work, but if I don't have such a solid foundation at home, it, it's not as valuable or the one variable that has the, the greatest weight on all outcomes is my life partner. Um, man, that means so I probably should be pretty intentional about it. Yeah. Okay. Before we get to our last question, I have one more question to ask you guys. Because with that, you guys meet You're pushing monthly. The time. You're pushing. The I know. Time. I'm gonna try to get every minute I can with them. Um, <laughs> with as many times as you meet, meet talking about the tensions in your relationship, what is the question that you wish we would have asked you that we have not asked you, and why? We definitely should keep the dramatic pause in this. Yeah. I think it makes People it. are waiting I, with bated breath. I think it listen. makes And if there's even, not one, that's okay. I, I just want to make sure like. it even more interesting. I think sometimes, especially you guys are incredibly thoughtful people. And so it's like, man, if there's something else that, that they've been thinking about related to this topic, I want to give that opportunity. I think, um, you know, maybe a question is sort of what are some guiding themes or principles, because not everyone's going to practice the same techniques and do the same things. But I do believe there are certain things that are a true North or a guiding principle. Um, And one is, you know, your and the individual in the relationship, your feelings and your experience are valid. (laughs) Like what, you know, whatever it is, it's valid. It doesn't mean it's right. It doesn't mean it's agreed to. It doesn't mean it's wrong. It's just, it is. Mm-hmm. And, and appreciating that and being able to say, this is what I'm feeling or sensing without having it come across as, and I'm saying it's because of you. Right? That, mm-hmm. um, that openness, um, the assumption of positive intent Like I'm always assuming positive intent. It doesn't mean I'm going to let you get away with something you should have known not to do because we have a commitment not to do something um, or a commitment to do something. But the assumption of positive intent, the feeling um, that keeps you moving forward. I know Daly always cites the research around what's called the four horsemen. um, And, you know, one of the ultimate things to really be concerned about is if real contempt ever develops in a relationship. That's really hard to break through and overcome. And so then what what prevents contempt? What keeps you from getting to that point, even temporarily? Um, Because once it's there, it does resurface more easily uh, with other things that might happen. And so that assumption of positive intent, the true belief that my and, and my partner's experience and perspectives are valid, Um, and then this overriding assumption, um, that we want to be all in every day that we're choosing each other over and over. There's not something that should happen that would cause me to genuinely question love commitment. Um, you know, things that are in that, like there's, there should be nothing that get rises to that level and the regular checking in, in a moment of expression or in the monthly check-ins really does prevent air from getting in the balloon. Um, In addition, it's not just about catching problems before they become big. It's about saying, I love that you did this. And you might not know that I love that you did this, but it meant so much to me that you did this. Okay, great. Well, that leads us to our last question. I don't want to go along with you guys because I I really value your time. Um, 
Is it possible? We ask every couple this before we finish our conversations with them. Is it possible to change the world, stay in love, and raise a healthy family? Yeah. 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 And and the pause wasn't because I had any doubt that the answer was yeah. Um, Absolutely. It was more, I was thinking about are any conditional on the other? You know, is it, would it be, you can't do A without B or C? Um, and, and I do, I think we can all point to examples of people who've changed the world, but maybe not really been there for their families and people who've been there for their families, um, but maybe held back the things they wanted to do to change the world. So I want to honor that, that, um, you know, I want to honor that that really does exist. Um, and I don't think you can have everything, meaning that list and, and, and all at one time. Again, there might be ebbs and flows, Hmm. right? I'm, I was marching this weekend and, um, that meant that was a two hours that I wasn't with daily, Mm -hmm. but on the over time, you know, it's giving yourself the grace and the room that if you're talking about a day, no, that's really hard, right? To do all the things, to be the best business person, the best social advocate, the best partner, the best mom, the best lover. That's really hard to do in 24 hours. But over some regular series of time, it's absolutely possible. But it certainly takes some intentionality, reflection, and a, a pretty deep connection in the relationship. Yeah. Would you, you add anything, Daly? I, there's something that I've said before. It's like, I think sometimes... Um, you can change the world with a with a a little W, and you can change the world with like a capital W. And mm. I think the you know by being good in certain aspects of your life, you really don't realize how far that can spill over to other individual things. So even like a, like a, a podcast like this, I think it, it could be inspiring for someone to you know find love and, and find that find that true partner. And like that's that's changing the world with a with a little W. For, for, for someone. So I think it's as we kind of aggregate all these experiences that hopefully it adds up to, you know, a capital W, uh, you know, big world at, at some point, but I think it's, um, yeah, being, being good all the time in all buckets isn't, you know, it, it is really, really difficult. Um, but I think as we think of this as, you know, you mentioned as your seasons or, you know, your fast road and your slow road, it's, I think over time, if you continued your, your vector of, of, of directionality, I, I think if you continue continue going that way, a lot of these things add up, um, and and a lot of these little W's uh, eventually, you know, can can change the world. That's that was awesome. beautifully put. Babe. Oh my goodness! Wow, that was good. Yes. Deep, deep. And now it's time for the breakdown. Wow. I have pages. Hang on. I don't feel like we can break down. They just broke it down on us. They just, I'm still processing a lot. All in every day. So good that just, it's so short, but to just emphasize the intentionality that they choose each other every day. Um, I love it. They do also have the tattoo rings, which is something you've been... I have been trying Angling to get for, for a while. to do for a long time, y'all, and he keeps rejecting me. So I don't know. I mean, I you saw them; they look so good. 
Yeah, I mean, I it was good for them. <laughs> for them. I'm trying to, I, you know, I'm clean right now. I'm, I got no tattoos on my body. Yeah, he always says, I'm clean as a whistle so that when our kids grow up and want their tattoos and piercings and all that, he gets to say, go no. talk to your mama. No, I just say no. No, you always said that I'm going to be the one that has to explain it. <laughs> okay, we are getting off track okay. about these two amazing well this just this amazing uh interview so come on what'd you what'd you get out of this well um i i got a lot of things one of the things that really stuck with me is the idea of every month having an anniversary (laughs) celebrating that and then also checking in deeply and what I love the premise of the whole thing that Daly was talking about, like, you know, where did this all become? Well, or where did it all start? Well, for him, he didn't have an example of a, a family or a marriage or a relationship going forward. Like, he didn't have one in his past and how to do that going forward. And man, I know so many people listening to this right now are directly, could de- directly relate with that. And mm-hmm. instead of blaming the past, he was like, I want to set a new standard for my family and for my relationship. And I want to try to do something different. And wow, that is a, I think that's a beautiful perspective. Yeah. I mean, just him saying like, I want to get better um, because I knew that I had failed before and that he was willing to put in the work. I love that they were talking about how they want to be better in their relationship at home than they are at work. And how that they knew like the amount of effort that was going to take and they were willing to fight for that most important thing that they say is most important. And I think that's the key here is like, we all say that, right? Like we all say that our partner is the most important person, but yet we are not willing to put in the effort or the work or the intentionality to really make that come through in actions. And it, and it played out in a lot of ways in their family and in their work. I, I love their perspective when they started having kids. Like, this child is joining us. Yep. We are not joining them. <laughs> right. Like, so if, if we are not on the same page, that's the number one priority. And you and I, we struggled through that at the beginning, coming yeah. to grips and coming to the reality that this is how we need to approach our marriage first before meeting the needs of our children. I also really loved their um, kind of phrase, the assumption of positive intent. And I think that is so, so important to first, you know, recognize that your partner's feelings are valid and matter, but then assuming that they have a positive reason for why they did something. I think that probably would avoid maybe like 80% of your nice fights. <laughs> it would cut that those fights. Really? Yes. And then no, but and then if you if you assume the positive intent uh, intent of the other person, she was saying about how then that creates no guilt. There's this there, there's no apologies, no I'm sorry in the sense of like you know, that she has to work or do this or do that, that, that matters because he's assuming and understanding her positive intent. Mm. I think it's really important. 
Yeah, when she was kind of sharing about how there's a couple times during the last few months where she's gone into Daly's office and closed the door and cried. I was like, I love that perspective that, hey, like, because I think I do this. I think I try to, when I come home, sometimes I'm stressed at work. I try to mask or hide Mm -hmm. what is happening for the sake of my family. Well, Meanwhile, you guys all know that I'm stressed out and that there's something's not right. So why would I try to somehow deflect that or fake it? Mm-hmm. She's like, no, I'm with this person and they need to know when things are hard and be mm-hmm. honest about that. I think that's good. I'll probably start crying more in front of you. Mm, that's great. Great. And I will um, validate your feelings. Value. And value them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All of those things. Yep. Well, that's what I'll do. If your partner did not listen to this episode, Ooh-wee. this is one you need to just go ahead, text message your little friend, <laughs> and be like, you need to listen to this right now. And then we're going to talk about it. And you and guys- open up a bottle of champagne. And you should follow them on social media. They really want um, to engage in this conversation. Kat is writing a book one day that is coming out. She's in the process. I mean, so you want to follow her at Kat Cole and then at Daily Irvin because on Instagram because uh, they want to engage and you want to keep up with what she's doing and buy that book in the future. Yeah, and we'll link to that in our Instagram story about them too. Um, so you'll be able to go directly to them and find them. They're amazing people. So thankful for their time, their energy, their insights, their knowledge, their authenticity, and... Just to say, it's at Cat Cole ATL because she is from Atlanta. Oh, hello. Hello, Atlanta. Well, that's another great episode of Love Work. We're thankful you join us. We're thankful you partner with us. We hope that this time brings you and your special person closer together. Produced by Matt Owen for Soul Graffiti Productions.